Welcome to the Farrell's Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Farrell's Fit Podcast. Good to be back with you guys again. I'm here today with Brandon. Hey, Brandon. What's going on, Pete? <laughs> How you doing, brother? Great to be back. Good to see you. Yeah. Uh, I'm here with Elena. Elena is my departing front desk manager but not departing, just changing roles into a whole yes, new... transitioning. Tran- a transitioning <laughs> employee. <laughs> and my, uh, Elena's replacement, Max. Max is all new to the team. That's How true. you doing, Max? I'm doing pretty well. How you Introduce doing? yourself. Who are you? My name is Max Sheldon. Um, I'm a LA native. I grew up here in uh, the San Fernando Valley. Um, youngest of four boys. Uh, lived in New York for about 10 years and made my way back out here right before the pandemic great time to move across the country yeah um sure and yeah just grew up as a dancer an actor singer kind of do all those things and love. And now you, here you are on the Paris Fit podcast exactly it's like all your dreams it's, came true i've made it i've really made it <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> and ready to ready to fill elena's worthy shoes yes um today's podcast guys uh, i want this to be a fun one today we are going to talk about lies we were told as children now, of course, this could go off in all manner of directions, so we're going to try and keep it uh, somewhat in the sphere of uh, fitness, health, and nutrition. And uh, I kind of asked the team, uh, give me one thing you were, one lie you were told as children, and I have a bunch of things to go through. But I'm going to start with the, the, the fat versus carbs thing, um, because I would say I was raised by what I call the Kellogg generation. Um, kids of my age uh and and i guess my parents as well it was very much the when you wanted a snack you would have a bowl of cereal you would start your day with a bowl of cereal mm-hmm. cereal was like the go-to breakfast or snack option mm-hmm. for kids of my age uh, and my mother and father and and you know everybody of that generation <laughs> would do it um so the question is why why they did it what was that habit based on what was that knowledge based on and what did they really think they were doing by giving their kids that stuff um and let's let's go back a little bit to 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 kellogg's or jo- <laughs> is it john kellogg brandon i think it's john it, it's i, I got i think it's john kellogg it might be i used to say it was like a fake name it's like, oh my name's john kellogg i'm heir to the kellogg <laughs> I, <it's> <laughs> I, I think of a name all the time so it's, funny. it's a pretty me. it's a pretty funny story with the kellogg stuff so the reason John Kellogg started, started people eating cereal or why he believed people should eat cereal was to do with sexual repression or more specifically to do with masturbation. He was very anti-masturbation. He thought it was, you know, the devil within you would make mm-hmm. you masturbate. Uh-huh. So in order, to, <laughs> in order to suppress that desire and suppress that urge, he believed you should not eat meat. He believed that meat was... The cause it, of... Ma- yeah, wow. meat, meat would encourage you would inflame your sexual desire red meat spicy food yeah it would make you it would make you want to you know have a little have a little dalliance with yourself (laughs) so he believed that cereal plain cereal would suppress that urge so he would make everyone eat like plain cereal cornflakes every morning so it became like if you want to be a good person you should eat cornflakes in the morning because it will make you a better citizen a better christian interesting and then his brother (laughs) yeah and then his brother i can't remember his name but it was another kellogg he actually started the (laughs) kellogg's company was like this is all good and well but this tastes like shit 
So what we should do is like uh, shove some sugar on it, <laughs> mm-hmm. make it more palatable and sell it to the masses. Mm-hmm. So he started the Kellogg's company and started doing that. Took the cornflakes, added sugar, sold it to the masses, hugely popular, became the, the, the phenomenon that, that was Kellogg's. It's unbelievable. How, it's crazy. Wow. Like how much was that the message when Kellogg's was starting out? Like, was that also just something that everyone believed or was like widely received in terms of like, because it's hard to go from sure. that to yeah. now how big, I mean, yeah, cereal is sure, also I'm just sure they, amazing. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure once the PR people got behind it, they're like, oh, we should probably not talk so much yeah. about this. This is really bad, right. about selling. But it tastes great and people like it, so. Yeah, okay. but I, you know, like I said, once his brother got hold of it and started like thinking of it more commercially, I'm sure they had sort of like suppressed that side of it and uh, tried to make it more. This is delicious. You should eat some. Right. right. Religious yeah. fundamentalism is just really loud. So stuff like that rises to the top. They get involved in politics. This needs to be the way to be. And I mean, you still have a, one whole aisle in the store for cereal. There's right. a lot right. more yeah. sugar on everything. It's yeah. Just, I think totally so, so kids. this isn't something we're talking about in terms of like history. This isn't history. This is still happening. Like if you go to any supermarket, <laughs> there is an aisle full. Yeah. Cereal. Right. I mean, I grew up eating cereal yeah. every day, probably. Yeah. So the next kind of like point in history, which is interesting, is in 1967. Um, in the 60s, uh, the sugar industry basically sponsored this study to, to say effectively that fat was bad and sugar was good. It, was, it, it basically said that fat is the reason why there is a coronary heart problem in America mm-hmm. and sugar is not the problem. You can eat as much kind of sugar as you want. So what that led to, of course, was people like, oh, great, I can eat this low-fat, high-sugary cereal and not mm-hmm. be in danger, whereas I shouldn't eat animal fat because it's going to give me a heart attack. Right. So then you had this like influx of people even more towards you know, sugar and carbohydrates, essentially, and, and, a, and a reduction in fat. So this basically filtered into my, my parents' like awareness, whereas like in the 1950s, people were still eating a lot more animal fats and, and real foods, mm-hmm. uh, and then... In the 70s and onwards, you know, these kind of like manufactured carbohydrates and, and high fructose corn syrup becomes a thing. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then all these new kind of products that our bodies had never really eaten before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. became common uh, and became the go-to like breakfast and the go-to snack for everybody. Yeah, I think they paid um, like Harvard professors. Yes, it was a Harvard study. So they could just say yeah. sugar good, fat bad. Wow. And it was all paid for by the industry because corporations are people and they can do that if they want to. Yeah, yeah. And poison us all. Well, so there's yeah. corporations, but then there's also politicians. So yeah. in the 1970s, you had Richard Nixon, who was obviously not very popular at a certain point in time. Um, and they, they call it uh, the Cold War maneuvering. So he basically wanted to increase his popularity. It was unpopular at the time, wanted to get more votes. Mm-hmm. How am I gonna do that? I know, I'll, I'll get all the votes of the farmers. So what he did was he started to subsidize corn production, paid the farmers to make more corn, make a huge surplus of corn. Huge surplus of corn, uh, huge surplus of corn drives down food prices. You can make a lot of cheap food with a lot of corn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what they did. They made a ton of corn, made a ton of cheap uh, product, sold it to the masses who now believe carbohydrates were healthy and fat was bad. It's relatively expensive to eat high quality fat, high quality meats. Mm-hmm. It's very cheap to eat like a ton of cereal and bread and you know corn products. Right. Um, they also, with this huge surplus, were able to make high fructose corn syrup. 
But as you guys know, High Fructose Corn Syrup became the sweetener, the go-to sweetener mm -hmm. of the 80s and yeah. 90s because mm -hmm. it was cheaper than sugar. So you now had this huge surplus of corn to make cheap product. You had a huge surplus of high fructose corn syrup, which basically found its way into everything. It sweetened everything, made everything taste better. It gave, it gave everything that sheen, that glistening sheen that you saw. You know, with those pizza adverts, like Pizza Hut where the crust mm -hmm. is all yeah. Like yeah. shiny. Yeah. <laughs> That's high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> and it increased the shelf life of products. So products could live on the shelves forever and mm. never go off because it had this high fructose corn syrup in there. Can I ask you a question about yeah. that? About high fructose corn yeah. syrup? kind of a dumb question or not just showcases that I know nothing <laughs> um I know that it is bad you know and that we don't eat high fructose corn syrup but I don't actually know just Why because it's, it's more processed than yeah it's basically your body can't doesn't know what to do with it it's completely alien to your body it's mm. not a real you know it's not a real food right. so the the theory is that anything that your that your body can't recognize it will stores fat and mm -hmm. it will clog things up and it will not be able to metabolize it so it basically just lives somewhere in your system huh. like you can't of course eating any kind of like sugar is at some point bad but at least with other sugars you can use it for energy mm -hmm. right high fructose corn syrup is it's an alien product in your in, in your system that you can't Got metabolize it. you can't use um and it, a lot of people think the combination of that and, and like vegetable vegetable oils, which is another thing, like mm. seed oils, which prior to the 1950s, well, I guess the, in the 1950s, everybody got fat from animal products, right? Mm. You would use suet and, and animal fats to cook in, that sort of, that sort of stuff. Then in the 70s, again, because you had so much surplus, you would use like sunflower oil and corn oil to, mm. to cook in. It was cheap, mm -hmm. you know? I think all the fish and chip shops of, of when I go went, went in when I was a kid, they'd always use, always use like sunflower oil or some kind of like seed oil to cook in. Uh -huh. A lot of people believe that the combination of like seed oil and, and, and all these like high fructose corn syrups is a reason for the huge obesity crisis and, and, and heart disease crisis in America right now, mm -hmm. um, because it was just mass produced and it, it worked for Nixon. Like he got all those votes, um, increased his popularity, the cost of food came down. Everyone was like. Oh great! Everything's like the economy's booming, mm -hmm. but of course, in the short term it boomed. In the long term, the cost of the the national health services and right. hospitals and so forth, because so, the the um, type two diabetes increased, heart disease increased, yeah. obesity increased. So long term, of course, the the cost is astronomical. Right. So it's a pretty. It's evil. a pretty evil. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty Truly. evil and 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 incredible story when yeah. it comes to like sugar and carbohydrates well, and white. Because at least the whites. food pyramid. It's like, oh, right. you eat right. six right. to eleven servings exactly. of this. You're thinking as a kid, like I think very black and white. So it'd be like, wait, I have to get three or four of these and six to eleven of these, whatever the servings of fruits or vegetables or this or that. And it's like, oh wait, how much pasta am I supposed to eat all day? How many slices of bread equals one of those servings? Well, exactly. Right. And it's one of those things. It was like. Politicians do not care about your health. Mm. They care about votes. They care about how they're going to get voted back into power. And this is a perfect example of that kind of manipulation. Right. Um, and it's 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 pretty it's pretty fascinating. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we all remember the food pyramid from school. And you kind of look at it and like, oh, do they bread, teach that? Yeah. pasta. Yeah, I, I think they recently I changed it. I don't but know, but you can let me Google it right now. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's let's see what the current That's food pyramid says. Is but I know, I mean, even even if you look at like the narrative that's pushed right now, and I know, like, 
I'm big on this and some people will, will fight me on it, but I'm a big fan of like regenerative farming. Like mm. I think we should return to traditional farming practices where, you know, cattle and animals roam freely. Um, their, their excrement, their, their poop fertilizes mm. the land. Mm. It helps the, the soil. It helps regenerate the soil. Um, and we should, you know, get back to the, to, to those traditional ways, which, you know, are a lot more, good for the planet long term mm -hmm. than constantly um tilling the land uh and trying to get crops out of the land all year round without any kind of like crop rotation which we can do now with chemicals and uh, and modern farming mm -hmm. practices which is what is it six years left uh, no 60 years left yeah, we don't want to scare you but there's like only 60 <laughs> 60, like, cycles 60 years or, left like the top years. Oh, Jesus. so the narrative right now is like animal food is bad we need to all eat animal free products right. well you say that, but what, what what does that mean? If you stop eating yeah. animal products, where do you where do you get your nutrition from? Okay, so we need to eat more carbohydrates, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you eat more carbohydrates, you need more, even more of this these this corn and these seeds that are very bad for us and that destroy the soil. Right. Uh, and then the other argument is, well, no, because now we can make chemical foods, right? We can make like Beyond Meat and so mm -hmm. forth. Well. A, Beyond stuff is terrible for you because, again, it contains a lot of artificial products. It B, it's expensive. Oils. It fills mm -hmm. all the oils. Like, yes, all it's full of, yeah. full of seed oils. Yeah. And it's fucking expensive. Everyone always says, oh, yeah, but meats, the, the regenerative farming is too expensive. People can't afford like that that, that kind of meat. Like, mm -hmm. well, how much is a Beyond Burger? Right. Go to the supermarket. It's fucking expensive. To make chemical food is an expensive process and it does not do the planet any good. Right. But it's this 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 narrative right now that's this that's coming out and, and being fed constantly yeah which infuriates me but, yeah. but this, uh, this is another podcast <laughs> this is meant to be a fun podcast not, not a <laughs> um the food pyramid got replaced in 2011 hey. by something called my plate oh my yeah plate. my plate which seems a lot better also talking about the food pyramid the idea that vegetables aren't carbs mm -hmm. is or fruit isn't carbs is like something that I didn't even really understand until yeah. I was like, at least probably, I think it's when I started working in gyms that you I didn't realize the vegetables were carbohydrates. No. Yeah. yeah. I just like kind of thought of them as like their own thing. Yeah. You just know? think because about it. That could be one class when you're 16 years old in high school where you actually learn nutrition. Like, oh, there's fiber and then right. there's sugar. Right. And you could learn which one's a carb and oh, they're both carbs. There could be one class, half a year even. You could teach kids, they would retain that yeah. and take yeah. it with them. We don't do that. Yeah, we yeah. don't we don't really learn what is actually in food. I just learned like this food's good, this food's bad. And right. And so like fruit and vegetables was like good but like empty it was just kind of like they don't count towards anything yeah and then like bread bad <laughs> so, yeah but actually like if you look at what's actually in those two things there's a lot of similarities and like both can be good in different ways but you don't learn we don't actually learn when we're growing up what is actually in things and what that means yeah we're treated just, like uh like cogs in the machine like, right it's like you gotta remember you get like, your lunch tray mm -hmm. you put a piece of slop here and here and here and here and just slide over and go through it's, it, like, it's pretty fascinating that on, on that old food pyramid like basically everything in that bottom block mm -hmm. is everything that is bad for you yeah exactly everything that's cheap that they want you to eat exactly you, you know crazy with that being said you shouldn't demonize carbs no and that that, that brings me on to the next point which is uh so <laughs> so one of what on our survey one of our one of our uh, employees came back with carbs carbs make you fat like the myth that carbs make you fat mm -hmm. and you know it is an interesting and, and difficult subject because at a certain point carbs do make you fat 
too many carbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, so too many carbs, too much sugar, too many calories. Mm. Guess what? You'll store fat. Yeah. yeah. It's unavoidable. Yeah. But done properly, done in moderation, timed correctly, carbs can be extremely useful and, and extremely beneficial. Even even the people who are like deep down the carnivore route that mm-hmm. I follow are now kind of like even Paul Saladino, right? He's yeah. now like including some berries, berries and some honey in yeah. his in his diet because they see that they know, they understand the value of carbohydrates especially when it comes to performance mm-hmm. um if you've if anybody that does any kind of like um high intensity workouts or or has high volume training in their in their day you know primarily that's going to be fueled by carbohydrates fat is relatively inefficient at fueling high intensity workouts mm-hmm. it's great at fueling lower intensity workouts um but when it comes to either high performance or muscle gain, if you're trying to gain a lot of muscle, at some point you're going to need some carbohydrates in your diet. And for most people, having some carbohydrates in their diet, of course, is, is a good idea. Brain function as well is, is, mm. you know, needs some carbohydrates. Protein synthesis as well. Protein synthesis you as well. You need that to convert the protein the, the, over the, to muscle. The, the problem was, and going back to the food pyramid, it was like, the vast majority of your calories should come from carbohydrates mm-hmm. as opposed to saying you know we need some carbohydrates mm-hmm. just right. like we need some protein right. just so, like we need right. some fats so rather than this well-rounded picture of what nutrition should look like it was a biased huge block of carbs little bit of protein mm-hmm. little bit of even less fats you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it's important i think to to not as your, to your point, Alanda, to not demonize carbohydrates and say all carbohydrates are bad because that is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of you know carbohydrates, especially you know in the kind of like paleo sense of carbohydrates that exist naturally that are in nature that our body can metabolize really easily um, are going to be helpful for us, useful for us, and mm-hmm. energizing for us. I think um, the key thing to remember is it's not what you eat, but what you can metabolize that counts. So carbohydrates that you cannot metabolize well that are like man-made or contain a ton of like artificial products are not going to be well digested by our system. Carbs that exist in nature, like berries and mm. apple and banana and stuff, we can metabolize relatively easily. Question. Yes. Is it about fructose? No. No. <laughs> but is that necessarily... Uh, are just certain people metabolize things differently than yes. others? So like... Yes. Depending on where you're from, right. what your like genealogy is, you might metabolize Very important. Yeah, carbs and, and, in a different and, way. And, and definitely genealogy, where you come from, maybe. But I think even even more, more locally, everybody is different. Like even if me and you came from the same town, yeah, uh, the way that we tolerate carbs might be completely different because individualization is a huge part of it. This is why it's always. This is why everything is always like a guide or a rough ballpark because everybody reacts differently to different foods. Some people tolerate carbs really well and can eat a ton of them. Some people only need to look at carbs and seem to gain, gain weight mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. Um, I tend to, fi- to find like ectomorphs, people that were born kind of like um, on the slimmer side, they have smaller hips. Um, they've always been kind of thin and they struggle to gain weight, can tolerate a lot of carbohydrates. Um, people that are more on the, on the mesomorph side, so they were, they've always been on the bigger side, uh, tend to tolerate carbs less and need to be a little bit more careful with their carb intake. Mm-hmm. And, and the middle, um, in the middle with the, uh, sorry, endomorphs are the, the bigger, in the middle with the mesomorphs, 
we've got that good balance. We can kind of like have a decent amount of uh, decent amount of carbs, decent amount of fats, decent amount of protein, and it could be more of a balanced thing. So it's, it's it it kind of depends on how you are genetically, like what you're genetically disposed to, and how well you tolerate uh, different uh, macronutrients. And it's it's only really with experimentation that you can figure that out. You can do a bunch of tests, of mm-hmm. course. You can do tolerance tests and all right. that kind of stuff to figure out. Oh, but I find even with those, like it's sometimes not wholly accurate. Yeah. It's also so fascinating to me that that like because that what you just described the fact that everyone's body is different, right? And how you're born, your genetics, and your conditioning, and where you are from, like that's super inconvenient from a marketing standpoint for like if you are trying yes. to sell Kellogg's, you know what I mean? Like right. you can't have all these people with all these different variants. It has to be like one message that like, this is good, this is bad. Right. And it's really inconvenient if you're trying to build an industry 100%. that yeah. is meant to be for one size fits all. You know well, I mean? especially especially in the US, people like extremes. Mm-hmm. They like, you're either one or the other. You're either for carbs or you're against mm-hmm. it. You're either uh, a Democrat or you're a Republican. You, mm-hmm. you have to be one right. side or the other in this country, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, the yeah. good, bad, good, bad, mm-hmm. puritanical, good, evil. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, only yeah. one way or the highway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then also, when you want to feed 300 million people, right? You kind of gotta okay. This corn shit works for a while, or this works for a while. But like, get to a road like can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Soil's gone. Right. Got to find a way to actually do this sustainably, or else we're all fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, John Keller, John Keller's not going to stand out there and say. Well, this might be good for some people, but for other people, probably <laughs> right. not. Pete, his, soul, his soul's going to be saved. He, yeah. goes, he doesn't care about it. It's a great commercial. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay, next one. Uh, this actually came from Emily, and it's it's an interesting one because I see it a lot. Um, Emily has uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and she has hip dysplasia. And when she was a kid, you know, the doctor would always give her a note to get out of PE so she wouldn't do any physical exercise. And she was basically told, don't do any exercise, just take these drugs. Mm. Um, and of course, we see this a lot, um, unfortunately, in the medical industry, where it's like it's easier to say to someone, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't do anything. You should probably just, you know, stay at home, and take some drugs," mm-hmm. rather than saying, "You should, of course, be moving. You should, of course, be exercising. You have to find a way to do this without causing yourself pain and that kind of thing." Mm-hmm. Um, I remember speaking to Sophie, our, our physio, about it, um, and she had a similar story where she was, you know, told not to do certain things, which she thankfully ignored, and. and you know helped cure herself through her her own you know study and knowledge um but yeah it it is an unfortunate side of the medical industry that sometimes it seems they would rather prescribe you with a drug than suggest some kind of activity or some kind of physical um cure for your ailments um and of course it's just easier it's just easier to send someone away speak to 15 minutes oh what's your problem yeah i got that thing yeah just Mm -hmm. get take some of this go away yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well, it's funny because like you dance too, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's like the opposite in the dance world where it's like just Work through the pain. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, the, the opposite, you know, situation. So I feel like I didn't have that growing up, but I almost had like the the other, you know, just like, and that's probably true in sports in general. Oh, a yeah. lot of times, right? Yeah. Shut up. Get up. You're fine keep playing yeah but if you're not involved in which i don't i think you know that's probably not great either but if you're not involved in sort of that then yeah it is kind of like do mm. as little as, as little well as on, on the flip side especially with his money involved right and the nfl sports mm. like that is a classic one like you need to keep playing you need to take these fucking right. drugs and you need to get on the field like we need you right now <laughs> right right when your only avenue is like i think i can only make money playing physical sports 
Like if I don't get up and play, X amount of people are relying on me and dependent on me. Yeah. And it's, well, it's that, unfortunate. And that goes for the steroid thing as well. Like people are so quick to judge. Like why did that, why did that player take those steroids? He was such a great player. Well, I'll tell you why. He's got 10 years to make money. He doesn't have any other skills. This right. is the one thing he's good at. He's got a family. He's got four kids. Yeah. And he's got 10 years to make money. If he doesn't make money, that's it. Right. Either he takes this stuff and he does that or he sits on the sideline for the next 10 years and makes nothing. Mm-hmm. Like. Snag three hundred million and get caught just under three years, or <laughs> right. maybe make two million over ten pe- years. Like exactly. I said, people are very quick to judge and say that person's a bad person mm. because he took those drugs and he shouldn't have. It's like well, you don't understand the situation. Right. It's a very kind of like ideological way to look at things. Yeah. If you're a good person, you don't take those things. <laughs> Speaking of, on, on the dance side of things too, is I definitely had a had like that mentality of like, I have 10 years to be a dancer. You know what I mean? Like right. my dance shelf life is gonna be, it's, it's, I, and I didn't have a $300 million contract, but like <laughs> right. the dream was like dance until you're 30 and then like, you, okay, then whatever you have to deal with after that, right. fall out fine. And I actually was lucky to have some dance teachers that said to me like, no, I want you, I would rather you walk until you're hundred right. than dance till you're 30. And that was like really big for me. Cause I just was like, go, go, go figure this out. But like, it was this, it's the shelf life. It's this kind of thing. Like if I can just muscle through these next five, 10 years, why would I worry about taking care of myself? Because when you're young, you can't, it can get away with it. And then you yeah. get to a little older and yeah. start yeah. doing some things. But Elena, did you do the Lean Cuisine one? Is that your? Ooh. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm from here. And so I think in some ways, like a lot of the, what you get told as kids here or what's around you is like diet culture. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of stuff was just like what I've looked up online, like, and also my mom was always on a diet, like yeah. growing up, like yeah. some, like, you know, she was on Weight Watchers or Jenny yeah. Craig or the Slim Fast Diet mm-hmm. or something. And so like that definitely got like passed on to me. And so, yeah, there were a lot of like eating, thinking like eating a lean cuisine was like better than eating like, a real, a real meal yeah. like bread was like the devil mm-hmm. pasta was the devil but like a lean cuisine panini was like <laughs> an option that was, was a good thing like freeze-dried yeah. yeah. with a puncture with a fork and yeah. 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 yeah yeah like that or like the snack <laughs> wells i brought up the snack wells yeah. 100 <laughs> snack pack like the graham oh, cracker yeah. oh, like sure. cookies so it was mm-hmm. like okay i'm gonna have like this thing for dessert it's like and then everything that you're and eating it was just 100 calories that's what it's yeah. yeah, and and then you end up eating like three of right, them. Right. <laughs> well, well, he, because here's them. here's the problem with all these like low calorie things. Often they just they just have no nutritional value, mm-hmm. so there's no nutritional density to those products. So you're not getting any nutrients, and you're probably just going to be hungry when you finish yeah. because right. your body hasn't absorbed anything. It's right. just like empty calories, um, and that's why none of this stuff works long term. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they say low fat, so they're pumped up with more sugar, right, to replace the fat they take out. And it's right. just like, wait, right. he's giving me more sugar. Right. Yeah. So right. if you eat three of those things, yeah. it's like, oh, wait, I actually but I didn't have any fat. So I'm like, 80 okay. grams of sugar. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, that was, that was always the confusing part for me. It was like, I would feel so accomplished because I was taught like, eat just this 100 calorie snack pack. And like, great, I did my, like, I did my job. Like, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing good today. But then my body would feel like shit. And I'd be like, wait, I'm confused. Like, I know that like, in terms of diet culture, I did what I'm supposed to do. I didn't eat my bread at dinner, but like I've left dinner feeling so hungry. So my body is telling me another, like a different message than like my brain is about like the success of this meal. You know right. what I mean? And like just associating that. It's, and it's in, it's interesting how we respond to, like I've been told something 
so I'm going to believe it, mm -hmm. even though intuitively this doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. But we do it because we're yeah. like, no, this is what I was told. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you are you're just you, you assume that it's because like you're not doing something right mm -hmm. that your body won't like. Right. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. you're something bad. Wrong with my body, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that you don't. So my urge to have this like you know role at dinner is like bad because mm -hmm. I've been, you know, right. thinking about it in the, these terms. So I'm like constantly looking outside myself to like for the answers as opposed to within. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it can be frustrating as a coach sometimes because I'll, I'll have clients that they want to eat a certain way. And I'm not going to like talk about any specific diets. I'm just going to say they've been told that they should either for ethical reasons or for their health eat a certain way. It has not worked for them. It's made them feel terrible. Mm. It's made them gain fat. But because they've been told this is what they should do, they won't stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Rather than like acknowledging, yeah, I've been trying this for six years. I don't feel great. I'm not, I don't look the way I want to look. And like, I'm, I'm kind of gaining weight. Like rather than saying, this is fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, uh, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. It's like, right. okay. <laughs> Well, At I what think, point? Do you, yeah, right. I think that there's like something to that. I think like feeling as though that there's like an answer outside of yourself is sometimes easier than listening to yourself. Right. So like. Right. Because even now, like I feel like I'm pretty like being around this environment. I feel like I hear I just hear more about nutrition than I even ever want have wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and like. Even now, like sometimes I'll be like, when we were talking about this last night over text, I was like, oh, talking, thinking about juicing because I used to juice yeah, a lot. That's another good one. And um, and I was like, oh, maybe I would feel good if I just. <laughs> 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 I like, and I was like, no, no, no. Well, the, and that's that brings up a good point because essentially weight loss through malnourishment never works. Right. It works short term people are like oh my god i lost 10 pounds on a juice diet i'm like yeah you're malnourished and you're, or you're dehydrated or whatever <laughs> right. it is and then two weeks later you gain that back and probably more mm -hmm. because your body's then clinging clinging for fucking calories like this person's gonna fucking starve me i'm gonna store as much fat as i possibly can mm -hmm. because all you've done is malnourished yourself yeah and we see that we see that all the all the time here actually um that brings me on to another one which was going to get to a bit but i might as well do it now um it's the whole um, lighter is better or the, the mm. more weight I lose, the happier I'll be. And what we always try and say to people, it's not about weight, it's about metabolism. I see a lot of people that come in that may be on the light side, but we get them on the, the machine downstairs, which obviously measures body fat and, and skeletal muscle. And you can see that me metabolically, they're not actually in great shape. Mm. They may be light, as in the scale may say they don't weigh very much, but the, the details tell a different story. They're, they're actually metabolically damaged in the sense that their skeletal muscle mass is a lot less than their, their fat mass. Can you, that is a confusing thing for me. So can you talk <laughs> so, about when you say skeletal muscle mass? Yeah, so the, the amount of muscle on your, on, your, on your frame, the amount of muscle tissue you have. But that's not talking about like your bone density. Not bone density, just okay, muscle. specifically muscle. Yeah. Okay. So you've heard the term skinny fat before. Yes. So you can be skin, so you can be light and be skinny, but mm -hmm. let's say you've got like 
a mm-hmm. layer of fat around your abdomen that you want to you mm-hmm. lose. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not a heavy person because the scale doesn't say you're heavy, right. but you're frustrated because there's, there's layers of fat that you, that you can't lose. And you've all, all seen like the runners who like run long distances, super skinny arms, super skinny mm-hmm. legs, but they've got like a, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we call skinny fat. Mm-hmm. At that point, basically met, from a metabolic standpoint, they're not in great shape because they have very little skeletal muscle and a good amount of fat, mm-hmm. even though they're not heavy. Right. So from our perspective, that, that's not an ideal situation to be in. With the in-body downstairs, you know, we talk about the C-curve and the D-curve. Uh-huh. So if, if you're on that C-curve, your, 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 the relationship between muscle and fat is the wrong way around. If you're in the D-curve, it's the right way around. So what we're trying to, trying to create is a positive relationship between weight, skeletal muscle mass, and body fat, mm. which in virtue reduces your body fat percentage if you're skinny fat your body fat percentage will be high even though you're not heavy from a percentage point of view you have more fat than you do muscle whereas on the flip side if you have a lot of muscle mass but not very much fat even though you might be heavier your body fat percentage is going to be a lot lower which from a health perspective is going to be a lot better for you Mm -hmm. can you talk about because i hear that and that feels so much more appealing to me and is like obviously how i'm trying to shift my thinking about nutrition and weight and and muscle but i grew up with bmi being the thing that was like what's your bmi your bmi is too high like being told bmi is the biggest crock of shit yeah and that's yeah yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) i was like obese for like 10 years of my life but it was ridiculous like if you saw me it was like not true yeah it's a nonsense statistic and i wish they would stop yeah using it yeah it's it really doesn't have any value whatsoever um, it really should, more stuff should be done really on, on body fat percentage because mm-hmm. that, that tells us a much more interesting story. Totally. Um, but yeah, again, I think I, I, it's laziness. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'll just take your height and your your weight and mm-hmm. I'll tell you that you're overweight. Right. I mean, right. I'm grossly, on that, on that index, I'm yeah, grossly, yeah. I'm yeah. obese on that. Yeah, yeah. So and that's just a, because it's not framing for mus- how much muscle. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> It's just it's a line a metric. on a chart that goes yeah. here for yeah. your height yeah. and here for your uh, weights. Ooh, oh, this is this is fat. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, also something that uh, a coach said to me recently, and I don't know if it's like I need to hear things fifty times before I it sinks in, but like the idea that you're able to eat more if you have more. High metabolism, yeah. Because your metabolism is higher. Yeah, because muscle needs calories to survive Mm. and we want muscle to survive. So therefore we need more calories to feed it. So the higher your metabolism is, the more calories you need. Your base metabolic rate is the amount of calories you can eat on a daily basis. So if I can increase my base metabolic rate by increasing my muscle tissue, I can eat more calories. The golden rule is you want to eat as many calories as you can without gaining body fat. Mm -hmm. And you do that by gaining muscle. Right, And this is a really important point, I think, especially when it comes to women to try and get through to them because there are so many women out there who are malnourishing themselves for the sake of trying to lose weight rather than thinking, changing the mindset of right. if I can, can increase my base mo- metabolic rate, then I can eat more calories. Right. It's, and I'll be it's happier. A, yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the mindset of, uh, of gaining rather than always mm-hmm. thinking about losing, losing, losing. Right. If I can gain muscle, if I can gain performance, mm-hmm. if I can gain fitness, mm-hmm. then... I can eat more food as opposed to thinking I can, if I eat less, I can get down to 120 pounds. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also like looking at how much muscle you have. Like for me, when I have done an in-body scan, it's like, sure, I have this amount of muscle and that's great. But when I looked at the 
the I've never really cared to look at the BMR. Baseball, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I also have crazy calorie numbers in my head from growing up of like right. reading a diet book, and it's like try to eat around 1200 calories because <laughs> if you eat under 1200 calories like your body goes into starvation mode but if you're around 1200 calories like that's good to mm -hmm. be as small as possible you know mm. yeah so in my head when i look at the calories i'm like okay cool like i'm not doing that anymore but i also am not trying to eat more because i just right. yeah right but i mean that 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 is the narrative that's been around you know for such a long time it's like women Women should be a certain way. They should look a certain way. They should be under a certain amount of weight. Um, and I, I hope to God, and, and it is changing, and I hope it continues to change, that that, that narrative is, is slowly going away. Um, it still comes around. I mean, one of my points here is um, women shouldn't lift any more than two pounds <laughs> in, in weights. Oh, um, I think Courtney mentioned it. It's like they were told to like lift soup cans. and Nothing heavier than a soup can because wow. you'll, you'll Who gain said too much muscle. Courtney, one of our coaches, you'll get bulky and look masculine. Um, you know, I have a lot of women here who are, are stronger than me and, and lifting a lot more weight than me. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's 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 incredible to see. They're they're empowered. They're strong. Uh, they feel great. Uh, they have a very low body fat percentage. They're very healthy. Um, you know, it's just you have to just change the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not. How do I put this sensitively? It's not saying like women should get gain as much muscle as possible and look as big as possible. That's not what I'm saying, but it, it should be the narrative like women should, we should not be pressing our vision or version of what we think women should be onto women. Women should decide, what they, I want to yeah. be this person mm -hmm. and I want to lift this weight and I want to do these things and I don't give a fuck what you say about the way that I should look. Right. That's mm -hmm. the narrative that should be. Mm -hmm. and, and Hollywood is completely guilty of that, completely yeah. guilty of it. They've yep. been pushing the... <laughs> <laughs> they've been pushing the vision that they want women to be for mm -hmm. such a long time that you know i think a lot of women feel that they have to go down that road if they want to be successful in in hollywood or right. you know or get the roles that they want to get um rather than just being the people that they really want to be and doing the things that they really want to do yeah or again it's about like extremes like there right. are more you know like the culture is changing but it feels like only if you are like then gonna be on this side of the spectrum of like right. super jacked or right. like right. you know like extremely curvy and it's like what if you just are like somebody who likes to exercise like a regular person <laughs> no one's you know gonna I mean? ever love you no yeah no, no, no ever. you're out you need this or that <laughs> yeah it's exactly. like it should just be like every spectrum not right. like right well it's also like again it goes back to individualization of like some women will train a certain way and look one way. Some women will train exactly the same way and look a different way because we're all different people. We all have mm. different physiques. The problem is you have some women training because they want to look like another woman mm. and they're destroying their bodies because they're like, well, I need to look like that. Right. That's the person I need to look like. So I'm going to do everything I can to look like that rather mm. than like, this is a, a cliche, but like rather than just trying to be the best version of themselves or the version of themselves that they feel confident in, it's like yeah. I need to look like this other person, which they're never going to look like because their bodies are just not yeah. mm -hmm. built that way. And that's way. true for men too. Definitely true mm -hmm. for men as well. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. how many guys like avoid leg day mm. and are just Tight. like it's just arms and chest. Yeah, and it's like yeah. Why are you looking at me when you said that? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
there's no toothpick legs here. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's completely true. It is, and it's 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 become an increasing thing for men. I think in the last thirty years. Well, I think it's also mm. something that men feel more comfortable talking about. Right. You know, because like men don't, men are supposed to be strong and not mm -hmm. have an attachment to their body image, but they do too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, uh, I think that that is something that is cross gender. Like well, everyone has an Im like a body image and yeah. positive or negative. Yes, women are like put on more of a pedestal maybe, but I also think I've now come into contact with lots of men who have body dysmorphia and, you know, like um, set maybe impossible standards for their body type or their size right. and frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think because we are in such a, like a visual age, mm -hmm. like your Tinder apps and your, you know, all the dating apps, it's all just based on a picture, right? Before you, before you read anything, it's like swipe left if you like what they look like and swipe. So it's all like, well, the first thing they're going to judge me on is like how I look. So mm -hmm. if I can just look like this person, then they're probably going to swipe right or swipe left or up or down, whatever it is. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, we're in such a visual age right now that it, it seems that that seems to be getting worse because people mm. are judged on their appearance more than ever. Yeah. Something that happened for me in this last year in particular was that I, because I was so addicted to this idea of like looking a certain way for my career, for like roles I wanted to play, for the apps, for the Instagram, all of it. And then in this year of like, my only job this year was to stay healthy and stay alive and stay strong, right? right. So I would wake up every day and I would like do a workout that just felt good on my body, that like got me moving, that like kept me sane. And then my body actually started to change. I got so much healthier, I got so much fitter. And by the end of the year, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I actually now look so much closer to what I wanted to look like already like which is like a stronger version of myself that is healthier and reframing that kind of idea of like i'm not doing this workout because i need to spend three hours in the gym so that i end up looking like this tomorrow right. but i'm waking up so that i stay healthy and can get through this this year and, and be healthy and strong right. Right. and then also acknowledging all that my body can do right yeah. like how can i do a bar muscle up and then go home and look in the mirror and be like who like that guy sucks like and you just <laughs> yeah. threw your body over a bar like are you kidding like that's fucking amazing yeah and to like just reframe that for me has been really yeah when people ask me like what's the best program it's like well the best program for you is the one that motivates you the most yeah because when you when you stop having motivation it's mm. like this was it a good program for right. you probably not yeah like you have to find the thing that drives you. You have to find the thing you can be passionate about and that gets you in the gym every day. It's like, gets you psyched to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon, let's go on from you. Oh, what's, what's a lie you were told as a child? Um, it had to have been that like uh, food window. As soon as you finish a workout, like if you don't eat food or replenish or drink a protein shake 45 minutes or 30 minutes after, the workout was a complete waste. <laughs> and I remember one that was doing these crazy workouts like in middle school, it's like, this baseball player thing, he had like a whole rusted wheelbarrow with water and weights in it. We push it around a baseball <laughs> diamond, like just right. crazy things. Most kids probably still wouldn't be allowed to do these days. And uh, just like taking us to Wendy's, the closest place nearby, eat, eat, eat cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers, just like just, oh Get it man. down. Yeah. Wendy's is like just shoving it down our throats. Yeah. It's like, wow, like. That's awesome. Just unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary it's so american but like also yeah. just like you know the more you learn about fasting now and just you know giving your body a certain amount of rest actually after you get that workout to get sedentary and get like set like you know there really is no window right like for you to replenish your body but also you know as you're speaking of it is the individual maybe there is somebody who has a tight window of when they can replenish and um 
yeah i think i think for me it's like it's like as long as you get that nutrition in before your next session you're going to be fine um the only time i will will say like it is really important is if you are doing two a days and let's say you've got a session at 9 a.m and a session at 3 p.m or 4 p.m and you're trying to recover enough Mm -hmm. to to do that session effectively then it is important to get that Mm -hmm. that nutrition in quickly but for the most part, like as long as you're getting that nutrition in at some point, you know, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone who did way too much keto and like way too much carnivore, like, you know, you just always had the stigma of carbs even right. growing mm-hmm. up and just like now, um, like you just you just need it. Like I did two a day yesterday, a basketball workout into right. a weightlifting workout. And yeah, I had some curry and a, a bowl of rice with it, just like in between, totally fine. There's no mm-hmm. crash. Right. Yeah. You're going to do your pre-workout right. for that. You're going to be fine. Yeah gonna be just fine what about people who do every other days <laughs> you're gonna be fine like <laughs> and then the other one was the sex one that like i don't know if that was just like you know the stigma with like you heard that one in high school and college and the pros like guys shouldn't have sex this before. is before basketball games or before the night before even like night before basketball. Oh, i mean they used to send us off into like different hotel rooms did like, they make you eat kellogg cereal as well <laughs> I mean, cere- cereal was, was like a staple there, but I mean, we, we were like a really high top five program, especially for Nike and the NCAA. So, I mean, we had filet, a whole platter of filet mignons and chicken, broccoli. There was a pasta station there, but like, you know, they took care of us well, but also like they shipped us off the night before to a place, a hotel. Where there were no women. Nothing. It's like, <laughs> you guys are staying here. We know where you are watching film and you're going to bed Damn. and that's it. I mean, we snuck out of the hotel, you know, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, but yeah. like, that was like one, like, that was kind of like all hammered in, like, oh, you shouldn't do this. But women, it's actually good for them to have sex the night before a performance or a match, and it's, they're not going to lose any performance or ability. Like, that was like, good for them. <laughs> good for them, yeah. It was like an old wives' tale that we were yeah. still getting hammered into us, but. Well, I remember, like, this was always like a boxing thing for me, that it'd be, but fighters were always told, like, don't have sex before a fight. You're like, you'll lose your aggression, you'll be mm-hmm. more passive. You won't have the same energy. You won't be so amped up before the fight. I mean, do you lose testosterone, like as a man or like? No, I think it's like in that. Well, you you actually make more testosterone when you ejaculate more. But um, I think in the short term, you know, <laughs> you know, you feel tired right, right after, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like thing of like, yeah, you feel tired, so you probably shouldn't. But it's like, you know, by the time you've recovered, I'm like, mental on the end. Yeah. 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 You'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. <laughs> though, though that said, like I have known fighters in my in my life that swear by it. They're like, yeah, no, I don't like. Works for me. I'm like, I don't think there's any science to back it up. But have at it. Um, another one here: cardio is the only way to lose weight. Um, yeah, that was we kind of we kind of talked about this before. Um, there is there is still to this day, obviously, a an idea that cardio makes you lose fat and weights make you bulky like that's still that that still exists today well i think we've already covered it like the point really is to is to increase your base metabolic rate mm-hmm. um to to burn as many calories on a daily basis as you can and in order to do that you need to gain skeletal muscle in order to gain skeletal mu- muscle you need to resistance train right mm-hmm. you need to lift weights you need to do those kinds of exercises you can't just do endless cardio and expect to keep losing weight. It just will not work. Long it was the time. same thing with keto, you know, just like how hard can I push? I have all this fat, you know, and the stored energy. Right. But if you're not even getting 50 to 100 grams of carbs in there, you're going to be so burned out. Mm. Now you would just get so fried. Yeah. I would be pushing it five days a week, hard, hard, hard. Yeah. And just be toast. Yeah. Uh, Elena, tell me about celery. 
salary. <laughs> <laughs> that celery, uh, it requires more calories to mm -hmm. eat celery than exists in celery. Right. So, so why don't we just eat celery all day? We'd be fucking lean as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm gonna go do right after this. Just eat a pound of celery. Just fucking chow it down. Yeah. I actually did eat. Is it like of celery? Is it like the more the like more the more celery you eat, the more calories you're gonna burn? So if you ate celery all day, you'd be in a huge caloric deficit. Yes. Yes, that wow. was that was I was feeling that way as well. I was sort of lied like if you eat celery, you're actually burning calories. So I would like eat like peanut butter and like yeah. have that, and then I would have celery and I'd be like, oh, it's okay. The pe the celery is working off the peanut. Right. Butter. Oh, that's amazing. It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's genius. I wish that science. actually yeah. was true. Like I yeah. wish there were foods that did that that reversed <laughs> what about if you ate celery whilst walking on a treadmill oh whoa that's, that's dangerous yeah, yeah. That's sounds like the, the new diet plan yeah keep on it celery in a treadmill I'm gonna make so much money <laughs> be crazy um there's another one that i was told that tyler told me was wrong last time i was on this podcast the if you have butter with the bread you won't stay, you'll stay, like eating just bread is worse than eating bread with butter. Do you remember why? Because like you'll stay full for longer or something like it's that? It's more because it will slow down the insulin response. So oh. he's saying it because like, when you have fat with, with, with sugar, you won't get such a big insulin spike. The problem with that is when you do consume, it depends how much you have. When you consume high amounts of fat with high amounts of carbohydrate, you tend to see a lot of fat storage. Right. But he's saying that specifically when he's talking about, I think, insulin response. Insulin response will be less high when you combine carbs with fats. But too much fat with too much sugar will lead to, to fat mm -hmm. storage, which is why what we usually, what we usually advise is um, when people are trying to lose body fat, is you have meals that are, are carbohydrate dense and then you have meals that are fat dense, but you don't have meals that are carbohydrate and fat dense together because yeah. it will lead to-, to Well, I storage. never had butter with bread, like all growing up because I th thought butter was the devil. Mm. I was like fat, no fat, no fat. And then one person was like, it's better to have bread with right. butter. And I was like, boom, boom. <laughs> butter's back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, one of the other ones we had on the list was um, the, I can't believe it's not butter. Mm. I was just thinking that I was gonna bring that yeah. up. Yeah. It's like, wow. Which so is bad. again. I grew up with that, yeah. yeah it's so bad for know. you. And like, I remember my mother having it in the fridge and I was like, what the hell is that? She's like, oh, it's amazing. It's this new butter. It's like made with sunflower oil and it's better for you because it doesn't like clog up your arteries. Mm -hmm. And now you look back and like, what are you talking about? This is terrible for you yeah but it was a huge thing it was a huge phenomenon in the 80s we never i mean we never had real butter in my house we only had a Kimberly's so butter like through the 90s early 2000s i think only recently as my my parents started using like actual butter yeah it's just like so i didn't know i actually didn't know it wasn't butter I, even though it was called a Kimberly's not butter i was like that's what butter is it doesn't everyone just eat this i didn't yeah. know real butter existed <laughs> it's it's just it's so amazing how influential marketing can mm -hmm. be mm -hmm. and it can make it Marketing can make us sick, <laughs> yeah. like that easily. Just, yeah. It just needs to push a narrative. Everybody's sold on it. Make some advertisements, make it look, get this young, happy family mm -hmm. smiling, eating, I can't believe it's not butter, and saying to each other, oh, I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> and people will buy it and lap it up. And then 20 years later, everyone's fan sick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty so crazy. True. 
Brandon, you got any more? What was the one you were telling me about, like, um, you were saying about don't lift weights if you're a basketball player because you'll put off your shot? Yeah, mm. so when we would uh, just, I remember middle school and high school when you started getting the weight training and just exercising, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 don't shoot. Like, maybe even 24, 48 hours for a game, you're going to be all tight, you won't be able to shoot your shot, everything will be different. You know, you'll throw it over the basket, basically. And it was like, <laughs> I remember getting to college and we used to do a pregame workout before you know it was like a, a two set three set series of like eight ten exercises just right. lifting hard but just yeah some movement in the gym mm -hmm. um and it was like wait this doesn't affect it my roommate who was like best shooter in the school's history he's gonna work out in before like right what, what the hell's going on like it's not affecting everybody it was just like there was never no reasoning it was again when those things people start saying it don't do it right people were shit shooters so they would go and do it just throw it <laughs> over and it's like i'm just gonna take what this guy says and yeah yeah I, I remember i i do i remember that being a huge thing back in the day and i also you know the strength and conditioning practices what you're saying is bad but what was happening in the uk was like far worse like i, I strength and conditioning in the uk prior to i would say 1998 was pretty pretty diabolical as in that, that it just wasn't done anywhere near on the level of like what you guys have here with the, with the nfl and, and and strength coaches here um like take soccer as an example i really think it's only been in the last 10 years that there's been any kind of like advancement in uh, proper strength conditioning for for football for soccer players um it used to be like conditioning was like do three laps of the field mm. <laughs> and then like do some like shuttle runs <laughs> And that was it and do some dribbling drills yeah. there was never any like weight training or squatting or deadlifting um if you watch most soccer players squat or deadlift it will be the worst thing you've ever seen because their <laughs> bodies have never done it and they, they, they just don't work that way and it was they were probably told it was bad for them they were probably told you're going to hurt yourself you're going to injure yourself you're, you're going to get you, yeah, you're going to get bulky you're going to put on too much muscle yeah. all that kind of stuff um and again, it all just comes down to a lack of lack of science and a lack of knowledge, and you know, not taking the time to really study the the science of it. Mm -hmm. No, I remember being in middle school, and I somehow got recommended to a place, and I'm so lucky to go there because it taught me the mechanics of just running, movement, and you know, it's mm. like it was at mid 2000s, where just getting the opportunity to do that. You know, just I was doing you know, uh, hip abductor rotations with a with a rhythm step and everything. It was like. Again, there was like that was that like catalyst part because same thing like I was one of those soccer players, whereas like my hamstrings, the fact I never tore it, but they were like rubber bands. <laughs> right. When you're right. 16, 17 years old, you know you're fine, but right. you know the ability. Most of these athletes were in just such terrible, like, uh, shape in general. Like we were just ready to just break in half something mm -hmm. bad right. happened to us on a flow playing field. Yeah. Right. So crazy. I was told, I don't know if this is true or not, but like to if you're sore to eat a banana Is that, mm. <laughs> well if you're cramping because of the yeah. potassium mm. yeah that's a, that's a real it's probably how that telephone mm -hmm. yeah exactly. yeah yeah it's just like yeah. oh yeah if you need if you're sore the next day you should eat a banana yeah i, I like find uh, potassium and magnesium help with my, my cramps cramps yeah. got it but then do you eat it before you exercise well you you want to you really want to always take in potassium and magnesium every day i mean it's essential um 80 percent of americans are deficient, deficient yeah oh, wow. but we i will say like when I, I have like cramped up i'm like fuck i need to get some potassium i need to get mm -hmm. some magnesium and I'll, it'll be a good like cure 
Huh. But it is something you should always always be aware of and always take in. And then my other thing that got sparked by the resistance training is like being on being on like a elliptical or being on like a bike and it's saying like you've burned <laughs> 200 calories on this bike and thinking like oh I can have like 200 right. extra yeah. calories because yeah. I burned 200 calories. Right, right. And that's like not how that yeah, works. it's so funny the way that a lot of these machines are uh, machines are collaborated. Like most of those caloric burn stuff machines are very inaccurate, and it's it's extremely hard to burn a lot of calories in reality. It's very very easy to consume a lot of calories mm. in reality. Um, so often I, I wouldn't I would never use that as a metric of how much you can eat oh I burned I but this machine says I, I burned 300 calories therefore I can go and eat 300 calories I wouldn't advise that um, <laughs> this is why like in the gym uh, for us specifically we like to mix up the high intensity stuff with the lower intensity stuff because when you do that lower intensity stuff and let's say you are on a cardiovascular machine it does say you know you burn 400 calories or whatever it is that's useful and it, it should be, you know, a part of your, you know, awareness. Um, but what you're really doing in that instance is you're, you're metabolizing fat. So you're saying, right, in this session, when I'm on this cardiovascular machine and I'm here for a long amount of time, I'm metabolizing fat. I'm using fat as a fuel source. And that's part of my training. Mm -hmm. Now, another part of my training is using glycogen as my fuel source. And when I do my high intensity work, so say it's like a circuit workout or a CrossFit type workout, one of our build classes, you're using glycogen and you're using what we call EPOC, so excess post-oxygen consumption. What that means is your body will continue to burn calories at a higher rate after you've finished exercising. So throughout the rest of the day, because you've already like spiked up your metabolism like that, your body's gonna continue to burn calories at a higher rate. As opposed to like the fat burning stuff, you're gonna metabolize fat, maybe you do burn 300 calories, but that's, that's kind of it, then your body's just gonna return to normal. Whereas the higher intensity stuff, in the yeah, excess post-oxygen consumption, it's going to continue to burn calories at a higher rate. So when you look at the, the whole day as a, as a complete day, right. you burn more calories doing the high intensity than you did doing the lower intensity simply because of EPOC. Mm -hmm. Even though in the session itself, maybe you, learned, maybe you burned less calories, maybe. But if you look at the day as a whole, you continue to burn more, so your daily caloric burn was a lot higher. Mm. And you need, and both are useful. Like we talked about this before, like mm -hmm. fat metabolism versus, you know, glycogen metabolism. Two different workouts, two different ways of working. Both are effective. But how what? does that compare to like one of these? Because I think having a good understanding knowledge of health and wellness, and then having one of these, like way more attuned, not just with sleep, but if we're talking about nutrition, and you're talking about um, how many calories am I burning today? How many calories am I consuming in? If I'm tracking those as well. Like, I feel like this is actually even great, not just- Yeah, I think it can be. Or, like, I wanna make some gains. I think it's mm. great for awareness. Like anything I, anything we can do to increase our awareness and self-awareness self and self-knowledge about our own bodies, I think is, is useful. I don't know how accurate the whoop is for my caloric burn. I, I had some days, I was like, there's no fucking way that I only burned <laughs> 2,200 calories today. <laughs> and I was like- Pete, if we wanna get sponsored by whoop, <laughs> Hey, whoop, listen up. <laughs> if you wanna sponsor me, I'll, I'll edit this yeah. part of the conversation. <laughs> Well, if you do um, want to support this podcast, you can click on the link below. <laughs> you'll have Pete's Whoop link. And, uh, exactly. You get a free month. I may be wrong. Pete. I may be wrong. But <laughs> I, but it is it is an interesting thing when it comes to individual, individualization again because someone like Noah, 
he was showing me his and it would say he was burning like 5,000 calories a day. Wow. And mine would say like 2,200. It goes up and down and updating. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? I got nine hours of sleep, a 24% recovery score last night. Right. Three hours of REM. It's like, that, that, should, be, that should be a 90% right there. That's great. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I, like I said, anything that increases our awareness and makes, mm-hmm. and makes us just even think about what we're doing. I think so many of us just going through our days kind of like blindly, not really mm-hmm. understanding anything about our bodies or mm-hmm. our sleep or our caloric burn or our activity levels, whatever it is, anything that increases that awareness can help. But on the flip side of that, it can lead to kind of anxiety and like, oh my God, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Or I burned this, I only burned that. Yeah, or like feeling versus like these numbers. Right, right. intuition know? versus like, because yeah. you're right, Brandon, like sometimes with that whoop thing, I'll have a really good night's sleep and I'll wake up and it'll tell me like I slept terribly and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you, you're like, this my whole day's ruined. I'm like, fuck, you told right. me I slept terribly. Like, what am I going to do with it? I, how am I going to get through this? <laughs> five happen? minutes ago, I felt great and now I feel yeah. like a bag of shit. <laughs> Maybe you just need like an app that says you're doing great every day. Yeah, just, yeah. just all it does is tell you you're doing great. You're doing great, Peter. Yeah. You said it, like the stigmas though, like it's like, Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Oh no, I didn't have time for breakfast. I need an Eggo That's waffle. Really, yeah. As I was walking out of the house, I, yeah. they would have been better if I had the Eggo mm-hmm, waffle. But mm-hmm. now, guys, if you want, I will start. I will start my own app. Be a <laughs> hundred bucks a month subscription, and it will text you every day and say you're doing great. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> you do awesome, well. <laughs> you do well. Okay, guys, that is it for today. Uh, Max, thanks for coming in, my man. I thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Cheers. I'm excited for what you're gonna. Green for the club. Thank you. Very excited to be uh, here. Elena, what about you? I'm, I'm here. excited for your next journey. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Your transition. <laughs> you are here. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Brandon, as always. Thank you, my man. Pleasure. Good to spend some time with you. Uh, guys, we are at 1316 Glendale Boulevard. Uh, we are open. We are back in business. It is great to be back. Uh, Joe Biden says we don't have to wear masks anymore. They just came out today, so that's exciting. Mm. Um, and yeah, come work out with us. Have some fun. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Ferris Echo Park, and we'll be back next week. See you guys. Take care.